Yeah, one of the things that I am famously known for is I give one thing up for Lent, and that's the attempt to be pious, the attempt to be good. (laughs) What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, Kiri, Adam, and I welcome both of Luther House of Studies co-directors, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson, back to the podcast to talk about the first lectionary text in Lent. This text is a good one to begin the Lenten season with because it deals directly with repentance. Jesus says, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As you'll hear Dr. Krogan and Sarah explain in our conversation, people often mistake what it means to repent and what the season of Lent is all about. Lent is not a time for us to attempt to get closer to God. This passage shows us it's the exact opposite. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all breaking in on us, both in this passage and right now in this world to deliver the incredible promise that our sins are forgiven and we can find peace. Let's get to it. Here's Mark chapter 1 verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And now, on to this week's conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's very fitting. Oh, it really is. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have both of our co-directors, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson, as well as Adam Curie and myself here. Welcome to the podcast, Chris and Sarah. Thanks. Good to be here. All right, we are in uh, the Gospel of Mark again, the first chapter, uh, verses 9 through 15, and it feels like, and not just feels, but we've actually talked about these verses before, and a question might come up is, why is this again in the lectionary? We've had at least chapter verse 14, uh, we've had 9 through 11 pop up. Uh, why is this uh, showing up in the lectionary again? I think the what happened with the people that developed this lectionary is they recognize that this is the first Sunday in Lent. And what a lot of people understand Lent to be is Lenten disciplines is to deal with one's sin. And so we just went through Ash Wednesday. And now I think the words here, which is the repent, 
that Jesus lays out there is probably the theme that the that the um, people that were putting the lectionary together recognized as this would be a great place to get started with. But that repent often then is misinterpreted because Lent is actually not a time of just constantly repenting, but Lent is actually a recognition of why Jesus came. And that's where we're going to go back to, uh, starting in verse 9 and 10. So it's the first Sunday of Lent, uh, and you're saying that Lent is different. It's not a preparation, and so we shouldn't have our Lenten uh, practices. Yeah, one of the things that I am famously known for is I give one thing up for Lent, and that's the attempt to be pious, the attempt to be good. <laughs> have <laughs> you ever succeeded? Up for Lent. Yep. I have succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> That but actually, the... Adam, I, I think the reason <laughs> for that, uh, to elaborate on uh, Chris's little rah, 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 is <laughs> that what's happening in this text, and it starts right here in verse 10, is actually there is no separation anymore between God and his old creation, as we talk about it, kind of inside baseball, but there's no separation so you see that right away um, in verse 10 with the heavens torn apart. And that's that schizo, again, the ripped apart, violently torn apart. So there is nothing separating us from God. And the reason that ties to this idea of, no, Lent is not about spiritual discipline or giving something up to, so we can suffer just like Jesus suffered or however it's framed, is because that still leaves us with the misunderstanding that somehow we have to do something to receive forgiveness or we have to do something to get closer to God or however it's framed, whatever it is people are thinking when they do these things. And this text is actually really helpful to say that's 180 degrees backwards. And it starts right there with the heavens ripped apart because there is no separation now between us and God. God is coming to us, and we're going to see just how far he comes to us, with us, for us, um, all the way up through Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. And it's important in this season of Lent because what we experience in the celebration of Ash Wednesday is we recognize that the consequence of sin is death, which is why we're promised, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And this is out of Genesis, and we know that this is a promise that God is going to end our sin with death. And then we hear in verse 9 that the way that promise is given to us is the same promise that is given to Jesus as he is baptized by John. We've talked about this, that Jesus comes under the accusation of sin through being baptized by John. And so this is how there's no separation anymore between Jesus in our old life and our old creation. And this is why the heavens are torn apart and then the spirit descends like a dove. Again, it kind of, I find it interesting, a little bit of a carryover from last week. And I know Mason touched on this last week with Sarah. The writing here is very pretty. It's it's very descriptive, um, but when it says descending like a dove, it just is very clean and 
exactly like last week. Last week it was talking a lot about white and just very graphic in that sense. Right. And I think that expression there you're picking up there specifically, Kiri, this kind of gentle, peaceful imagery of the spirit descending like a dove, which is obviously kind of our symbol for peace, peaceful, is not insignificant because when you think about it, you would think most people are going to be afraid of God's entrance into the world, which is what's happening now here with Jesus and specifically with Jesus being baptized. He's he's coming, starting to take on our sin uh, in his baptism. And so rather than having this uh, violent, wrathful, fiery God image um, when God is literally the entire power of God is manifesting here with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, instead of it being this wrathful, scary, horrible thing, it actually is this peaceful imagery of a dove that you're picking up on. And and this is true because the the dove is delivering mercy. The spirit descending like a dove, it's the spirit's one job to deliver mercy, promise of forgiveness, Christ into our ears. This is exactly what the spirit is doing now for Jesus, putting God's promise to Jesus in Jesus' own ear. You are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. In the same sentence, you have the heavens torn apart. That's not necessarily a a pretty little description. That is literally God entering the old creation by ripping apart the heavens. I find it beautiful. I, I think it's an important word, though, torn, because if we were to stand here today and I were to rip a piece of paper, the significance of that word torn means it actually can't be put together again. When you tear something, you actually can no longer put it back in one whole piece. And so when the heavens are torn apart, which is the same thing that happens at the end of the Gospel of Mark, is the curtain of the temple is torn in two, which is the same imagery. You can't separate God out of this anymore. And so, but the torn means there's not going to be any putting this back. It's there. It's God is has arrived and you can't get him back in the box. And then we we proceed to one of the I know Sarah, we talked a little bit about this with you last week because this verse, you are my son, the beloved with you I am well pleased, that is a mirror from Jesus's baptism, correct? This is Jesus' baptism, but it's mirroring the transfiguration that was last week. Thank you. Except just with different verbiage, because here it says, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Right. And last week at the transfiguration, God is actually talking to the disciples. This is my son. Listen to him. Yeah. Yep, that's right. And it's important that Jesus hears this from the Father, because remember, he was just put into what we'd call the ashes of Ash Wednesday, that is the old creation, through his baptism. He is now entering into what is going to be experiencing this consequence of sin, death, and the devil. And so for God to say, this one who is now entering this, 
I am pleased because this is what is going to happen. He's going to enter and do the battle with those things which um, my chosen ones struggle with. Can you, I'm, I'm reading through the next verse, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. I feel like that is a complete verbiage change. I, I mean, it just seems like we're reading a completely different chapter now. Why? What is happening? It's significant here, having received the Holy Spirit, having it come down like a dove, after being accused of sin, the Spirit now doesn't let Jesus rest and won't let us rest, but it actually drives us out into the world. And so the Spirit is not, a lot of people think they get the Spirit and, oh good, now life will be better. But actually the Spirit drives you back into um, the world, the creation, and into what we'd call the craziness, the chaos. And so to have the Spirit is not to have life go easier for you, but actually is to be put back into this old creation and start to deal with it. Now, what the Spirit does specifically is it drives Jesus into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights, he's tempted by Satan. So the very first thing that Jesus does is he's put into this old world to deal with with sin, which is why he's baptized. Now, the second power that we struggle with in this old world, in this old creation, is the devil. And now Jesus is going and being driven by the Spirit to deal with that as well. And this is not actually unlike what happens to us. Um, It's not just Jesus that after immediately after his baptism, um, you're kind of pushed out of a resting place. This is even true of infants that it's not as if being a Christian somehow means we don't suffer or uh, we have a better insight into making ethical decisions or decisions on jobs or spouses or homes or whatever it is. This is this is actually a really helpful text for that, that no, having the promise of baptism doesn't mean you don't suffer. It just means the suffering doesn't have the final word over you. So when Jesus is driven out into the wilderness, which, by the way, was thought to be um, in biblical times, it was associated with demons and now specifically tempted by Satan. Jesus is actually with the wild beasts, which is an easy thing to just kind of skip through because it certainly fits with wilderness. But if you really stop and think about that imagery, and Kira, you'd kind of picked up on the, you like the way uh, the the writer of Mark writes, the narrative style. But with the wild beasts is actually um, not insignificant. It's therion in the the Greek is the wild wild beasts, but it means brutal, savage beasts. In other words, Jesus is dealing not just with Satan and being tempted by Satan, he is also with, among, the most brutal, savage beasts out there. But they don't kill Christ because, of course, Jesus actually was active in their creation. He has control over all of nature, everything from storms to the Therion, these brutal, savage 
beasts. So this is no uh, little Sunday school picnic Jesus is on as he's out there in the wilderness for 40 days. But if it's not a picnic, then what does it mean to end that verse with saying, and the angels waited on him? Did so we when- stump you? Nope. No, I was waiting for Chris to answer. I think well, I was waiting for Sarah because yeah. she, she likes these uh, fancy words. So go ahead, I Sarah. I do. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, Chris is coughing. A- angels in the Greek is angelos, which means messengers from God specifically. Sarah so, knows how to choke me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the angelos, the messengers from God, aren't there actually to help Jesus in the law to make him feel better or um, make him a little bit more comfortable out there in the wilderness with the theory on the wild beasts. Instead, Angelos, messengers from God, are there to deliver God's message, which we just heard. And Jesus himself just heard, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. So that actually is the word we all need to hear when we're being tempted and attacked by the devil. And it might sound something like, how can you believe in a God who would allow a pandemic? How can you believe in a God who would let you do X, Y, Z or or allow the death of your child, whatever it is? This is exactly the attack of the devil. And this is exactly the time when we need angelos, messengers from God, to put Christ's promise back in our ear, just like happened out there in the wilderness with Jesus. Especially in the season of Lent, when you've just been reminded of your mortality, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. And immediately you think, why would God do this? Well, you need to be, you need to hear the message that God promised, even in the garden, that Satan's head would be crushed by whom? By Christ. And so the angels are coming and giving that very message into the ears of those who need it. And so we have um, the verse 14 and 14, 15. We talked about this previously with, in a podcast with Dr. Paulson, but it uh, bears mentioning again. Uh, now after John was arrested and then we have Christ uh, proclaiming the good news of God. Can you talk about what this means in the context of Lent, uh, Dr. Krogan, especially? Yeah, so as we've talked about previously in the podcast, John is the last prophet. And now with John being arrested, this ends his ministry. That is to say, no longer is his voice prominent. Jesus is now put in front and center. He's taking center stage, coming from Galilee, and he starts to preach. And this is the the news. So remember, we've talked about John is saying, he's coming, he's coming. Now Jesus arrives and he says, here I am. And what is this good news? Well, the good news is exactly what had been promised in Genesis, as we said, the seed who is Christ is going to crush the serpent's head, which just happened, by the way, in this temptation. But also now that the sin of the world is going to be now redeemed through Christ and the promise and forgiveness and resurrection. So Jesus starts preaching the good news of the gospel. And he also goes on to say that time is fulfilled. In other words, the things you've been waiting for are here. Fulfilled in the Greek is pleuroo, complete, accomplished. So everything you've been waiting for 
which is why John the Baptist is significant. He's the last one who's saying he's coming and then switches to here he is. Now Jesus is saying, here I am. And he goes on to say, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And the kingdom of God, people can often think of that as a like a specific place, a geographic place, or even they might think like up there in heaven, something like that. But this actually goes to what we talked about earlier uh, at the beginning of this podcast with there being no separation now between God and this creation, this old creation. There is no separation. In fact, no separation even between Jesus and sin itself. Because what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God is him. That's what he's saying. Here I am. I am the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near. And goes on to say, when he says, repent, And believe, as we know, when God speaks, it happens. So when Jesus is saying, repent, people are repented passively. They're repented. They believe in the good news. Well, the good news is Christ forgives you all your sin. So what Jesus is starting to do now is actually what he came to do, to deliver his mercy and his forgiveness to name sin, and then forgive it, which repents people when they hear that promise delivered. And it repents people by saying, you're forgiven. Now remember, we've said time and again that to be forgiven actually confirms your problem. You are a sinner. So to even to be told, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return, is a conviction because the consequence of sin is death. Now for Jesus to bring a new word, which is the kingdom of God has come near, good news, which is I am now bringing a new creation, which is why also the time is fulfilled. Time is up. There is no more time. What you have in the kingdom of God is the breaking in of what we'd call eternity, where there is no more time. And where there's no more time, there's no more law for you to fulfill. So the repenting is that God is coming and he is now starting that new creation in Christ through his promise, through his forgiveness. And as we will see at the end of Mark, and as we see on Easter Sunday in the resurrection. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson for reminding us that when God speaks, it happens. When Jesus says repent, we are repented. Like Jesus after his baptism, the Holy Spirit drives us back into the world, back into the wilderness. The promise of baptism doesn't mean we won't suffer, but it does mean that suffering doesn't have the final word over us. Instead, it's God who has the final word over us, and that word is forgiveness and peace. Like Dr. Krogan and Sarah taught us in this conversation, when God tore apart the heavens to deliver this promise, it cannot be undone. God is now with us forever. Amen to that. 
As we close out this episode, the Luther House of Study team wants you to know how much we appreciate you listening to Scripture First. We share these conversations to spread the promise of Jesus Christ and encourage you to preach the gospel. Thank you for listening. We'd love if you'd like our Facebook page. We post each episode of the podcast on our page and really enjoy hearing what you've found to be helpful, interesting, or uplifting in the comments. Thank you to everyone who's been engaging with us there already. Lastly, the best way you can share scripture first is good old-fashioned word of mouth, sending an episode to your friends and family. You can find the link directly on our website, www.lutherhouseofstudy.org slash podcasts, or by sharing it via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, there is no separation between you and God. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.